Welcome to the Remote Work Drive podcast with your host, Jessica Malnick. Stay tuned to learn how to manage remote teams that are effective, collaborative, and happy. Hi, my name is Jared Kleinert. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Offsite. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on the Remote Work Drive podcast, Jared. Can you tell me about the most exciting thing that you're working on these days? Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, I know we haven't seen each other in a while because of the pandemic, but uh, really appreciate all the work that you're doing. Uh, and you were ahead of the curve as far as remote work and, and hybrid acceptance. Obviously, we're going into a world now where the workforce is decentralizing. We're kind of pushed five or 10 years into the future. And so the most exciting thing is building this company. You know, Offsite is uh, building software to make team retreat planning and even some client-facing event planning as easy as possible. The pioneering remote work companies have been doing this for a decade without software. Uh, and now more and more startups and VC firms and even like small businesses are planning team retreats, but they don't have any idea what they're doing <laughs> um, or they, they could be doing it better. And there's really never been software to make this process painless and stress-free. And so uh, really excited that I have a, a team that's building that software. We're actively working with clients right now uh, on team retreats. And uh, yeah, it's just really exciting building a venture backable tech startup. That's awesome. I have so many follow-up questions to what you just shared. First of all, what was the inspiration for starting Offsite? Yeah, I would say half of your listeners will know the company 15.5. Um, today, they're a 300-person B2B SaaS company. They work with 3,000 other companies on employee engagement and culture management. And I was one of the first 10 employees at 15.5 uh, about 10 years ago. And 10 years ago, they were, you know, again, one of the few uh, remote first or hybrid companies out there. And over the last decade, they have stayed that way. They've built uh, award-winning culture. Uh, in 2020, they were called the number three best place to work, according to Glassdoor. And, you know, they were planning offsites, uh, again, 10 years ago. And so I got to experience what that looks like as an employee. Uh, I've always worked remote for them. And then when I, I've run my own company since then, they've all been remote. Uh, and so I kind of understood the problem area before the pandemic. Uh, I also have another company called Meeting of the Minds, which does summits for entrepreneurs once a quarter. And so I, I've, you know, probably... 15 times now brought together 20 to 40 entrepreneurs in uh, Atlanta, New York, LA, Napa, Bermuda. And I've learned over time the do's and do nots uh, for you know booking your room at, or your room block. Uh, so people have hotel rooms and booking meeting space and getting catering, planning an agenda, facilitating the actual offsite. I also you know had a few opportunities to facilitate for executive teams of uh, Fortune 1000s. Uh, over the years. And so, yeah, just, just had all these unique experiences that I was able to bring to the table uh, to actually start this business. And then I brought on a co-founder, you know, a longtime friend. Um, his name is Kier and Kier is a serial entrepreneur in the real estate and hospitality world. So he has uh, even more experience that I don't have, which is owning and operating hotels. Uh, and so part of Offsite uh, is a marketplace essentially to find curated 
options for your offsite to take place at. And so, you know, Kier knows like what it's like to be those partners and, you know, what we can reasonably negotiate for how to up-level the service that the actual hotels and meeting spaces can provide. And so, yeah, we were just in a unique position where uh, it, it was a seemingly random career before starting offsite, but I was able to pull from a lot of those experiences personally, um, find a partner in Kier that had, you know, complimentary experiences and, we just really understand these pain points because we had it ourselves. Yeah, that's often some of the best businesses are solving your own pain points. <laughs> we're, so we're something interesting so. there <laughs> with you and your co-founder both kind of having a lot of experiences running events and and your co-founder's experience working in like the hospitality industry. Um, in your experience, what are you know what makes a great venue for a team offsite? Yeah, it depends on the team. You know, each team is different. Uh, each company is different. You also have to factor in the goals for the offsite, uh, and so you can have you know an executive team meeting, an all hands meeting, which is everyone at the company. We've done board meetings for clients. Uh, there's you know sales kickoffs. Uh, there's client facing events where you might want to bring together you know twenty to fifty of your most valuable clients and you know thank them by giving them a cool weekend experience. So there's all the different reasons for having offsites, you know, and again, every leader team is different. And so we have to start with understanding that. And then we want to find the best hotel, the best physical environment for the purposes of that meeting and for that team. And so some teams uh, at certain points in their life cycle may want to go far away from a city environment uh, where they might have a, a less convenient travel experience, but they want to give their team an experience of, you know, maybe being in nature or being away from a city where they can get distracted by other meetings or seeing friends. You may want to put people out of their comfort zone and you know, maybe do a glamping experience. Sometimes you need to be in the city because that's going to be the most reasonable for travel, especially if you're dealing with executives. You might have to find uh, a place that has hybrid meeting options where you can easily zoom people in and have clear audio. And so, you know, it really depends on why you're having the offsite and who is there. But at the end of the day, you want to make sure that the, the Wi-Fi is great. You want to make sure the, the rooms are, are adequate and then, you know, start planning the overall experience. Uh, so there's just so many details that go into it. Yeah, really team dependent. But at the end of the day, you want to find something that things are not going to go wrong. So you know, the basics are covered of Wi-Fi, of having enough meeting space, enough tables and chairs, uh, you know, having healthy food options that meet everyone's needs. And then you can start layering on uh, some interesting experiences, you know, something that goes from basic to uh, this is the best, you know, experience I've ever had. Let's take a step back and for a second. And let's say I am a founder or an HR manager um, at a company looking to have my first company off company wide offsite. What are some of the things that the company should be thinking about, you know, from day one? Yeah. Uh, so hopefully you're planning your all hands meetings at least six months out. Uh, so, you know, understanding when to start thinking about an offsite. Uh, if you're a smaller team, you can maybe plan three months out. But once you start hitting 
you know, 50 people, 100 people, 300 people, like 15.5, you really have to start planning six to nine months in advance. Uh, so that's number one. Number two, you likely want to pull the team uh, about their availability. And, and so in our tool, we have you know, pre-offsite feedback forms and post-offsite feedback forms. In the pre-offsite feedback forms, we're asking for uh, travel basics, like where is everyone traveling in from, dietary preferences uh, or sensitivities. Are there handicaps that we need to consider? Um, or or are, you know, are there other sensitivities like people being generally anxious to be around others still in a pandemic? You know, so let's, we have to think about planning ahead. We have to think about the individuals that are coming to the event and what needs uh, they have. We need to make sure that everyone's available to the best that we can. And so that could be done by pulling the team for their options. It could be asking sort of the executives who are coming for any blackout dates, like dates that they absolutely cannot be there and, and planning around that. You could pull the team on location preferences, or you can make the decision for everyone. Uh, it really depends on your company culture. <laughs> I would generally recommend some of those decisions be top down, again, based on sort of the environment you're trying to set for your team, uh, based on the goals for the offsite. Uh, so th there's a lot of basics to get right. Uh, and then if you're thinking about how to maximize the experience now that we are all working remotely, uh, and this might be the only time in the year that everyone gets to meet each other in person, you uh, might want to have a few more questions in a pre-offsite feedback form, uh, maybe asking for an employer net promoter score, um, asking a question like, what would make this an amazing offsite for you? Uh, questions like, uh, what's an idea you have to improve your role, you know, your team or the company overall? Uh, things where you can actually start having a conversation with your employees well before the offsite actually happens, and you can start generating meaningful ROI from the offsite before everyone hops on a plane and shows up uh, to a shared location. So there's a lot that goes into that. When you get to venue selection, you know there's a lot of uh, negotiating power you have as the team gets larger, and so you should be asking for room block rates, which are anywhere from 15 to 40% off retail rates. Uh, you can ask for concessions on meeting space. You can ask for discounts on food and beverage. There's a lot of negotiating power you have that most people don't consider. And again, you know, we want to start planning that sooner than later so you have more options, uh, which give you further negotiating power. Uh, then you want to start thinking about the rest of the agenda, articulating the agenda to attendees so that they know what to pack, they know what to expect. If you're doing a really good job at this and you're ahead of schedule, you can start asking the team to maybe you know, do assessments ahead of time or prepare slide decks if they're gonna be presenting. Um, I call that pre-work. Uh, basically start doing things that will be talked about, discussed, decided on at the offsite, which again, increases the ROI on the time together. You know, at the end of the day though, you know, it's, it, you're, it's a people business, you have to think about you know, these are people leaving their families potentially to come to an experience. They might not have met their colleagues in person. They might be anxious or, or have their own needs. Uh, and so we need to protect everyone and then build trust and intimacy over the course of an offsite. Plan your peak experiences towards the end. So you leave everyone in a positive state 
And then they go back home. They're like, oh my God, that was the best experience ever, you know, at this company. And, you know, I'm never going to leave. <laughs> I'm going to stay for another, you know, three years uh, or five years or 10 years uh, and keep, you know, working really hard for my employer. So all this complexity, um, but ton of fun as well. Yeah. What percentage of an offsite should be what I'd quote unquote say like business as usual presentations, uh, you know, and like, dev- and like maybe like team work versus, you know, experiential things to kind of build company culture, get to know uh, people on the team that maybe you haven't met before. Yeah, again, it does depend on the team meeting. Uh, it depends on your cadence of offsites. So, you know, are we talking about everyone? Ha- you know, is there only one all hands meeting for the company, or are there uh, executive team meetings, department level offsites, where over the course of a year you're seeing your team multiple times, and you can sort of build on those relationships? What, how I would think about it is, you know, sort of first day. You know, you have to consider travel in time. I typically would recommend some sort of flex time or you know a break after people travel in uh, because some people are traveling in farther than others. And then you want to have some sort of welcoming dinner or you know something that builds trust and intimacy. So no work on the first night, like let everyone get to meet their colleagues or, or you know uh, spend more time with their colleagues if they haven't seen each other in a while. Um, possibly do something where you're generating cross-department collaboration and having people sort of meet new people in new ways, um, but in a low stress, fun environment. Maybe you serve drinks, but you keep it on the lighter side because you have to wake up early and like have a productive day the next day. And so, yeah, the first night should always be, you know, trust and intimacy building. And I would carry that into, you know, the second morning uh, or basically the first full day you're going to have on an offsite. Uh, you want to spend the first few hours doing icebreakers uh, and doing things that are team building oriented. Um, with that permission, and as you're building momentum throughout the day, then you can move to strategic planning. You can move to some of the skill building. Um, you know, maybe you allocate some time for like personal and professional development at your offsites. Uh, and so, definitely want to be strategic about how you use time a post-COVID world, you're probably looking at 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 least a quarter of the agenda being team building oriented, uh, where it's either, you know, helping people meet new colleagues, uh, onboarding new team members, or it's just deepening and strengthening those relationships. Uh, And then depending on the offsite, it might be, you know, 25 to 50% sort of strategic planning or innovation sessions or, something related to tangible, you know, business ROI immediately. And then, you know, probably a quarter of it is going, a quarter to half of it's going to be activities and more fun. You want to make sure you're scheduling enough breaks for everyone um, because, you know, some people might be introverts, some people might be extroverts and you got to balance these sort of energy levels. You might want to consider optional workouts in the morning where people can work out together and start their day off right. Um, You want to make sure you're serving healthy food so people aren't crashing in the middle of the day. Uh, so, you know, there, there's all these things to consider, like are, are certain teams needing to get work done, like a customer success team that you can't pull them away from support tickets, you know, for more than 24 hours at a time. There's all these factors that go into it, but, you know, hopefully that's a, a good breakdown. Like at least 25% is going to be this team building, 
25 to 50% could be, you know, strategic planning. And then the rest is going to be just fun and, you know, building relationships through unique shared experiences. Absolutely. Um, going to the point of like icebreakers and unique experiences. Um, in your experience, what are some of the best icebreakers or experiences that, you know, comp- that you can do on a company-wide retreat? Yeah, one that I've done for many years uh, that I started doing at Meeting of the Minds and have carried over into a lot of the offsites that I've helped on is uh, a session called uh, Curated Conversations. Basically how it works is you'll have one person sort of running the show and you'll schedule you know 30 minutes for this, an hour for it, Whatever you schedule, you know, you'll have uh, five equal rounds of question prompts where you're giving the prompt to the entire room. And then you might have people split up into pairs typically, or maybe groups of three or four and have a conversation about that question prompt. You know, I would recommend doing this on like your first morning together, which is going to be on day two, typically that those morning hours of trust and intimacy building. Um, and you get to have more personal questions like, uh, you, you know, the first that I would typically like to start with is, you know, what are you grateful for this morning? Uh, and then sort of like everyone pairs off, they have a five, 10 minute conversation about what they're grateful for. And then when the time's up, you know, you have everyone listen back to the leader, leader gives a new prompt. And maybe the second question is, you know, it's, uh, we invite you to pull out your phone and, you know, show your new partner a photo of. Uh, someone or something that's meaningful in your life. And so then people might pair up again for five, 10 minutes and have conversations where they're showing a new partner or, you know, a person at the company, they don't know uh, a photo of their dog or of their family uh, and just having a conversation around that. And so if you do this uh, with more personal questions, you really start uh, allowing for these, you know, more intimate conversations and people can really get to know each other um, outside of, the Zoom screens and outside of uh, Slack. Uh, and so I always love starting with that. Uh, I, sometimes I like to replicate the exercise and have them be more, more business-oriented questions on day two. So if it was a, if it was a mastermind event, yeah, it, if it was more of like innovative session, you might say, you know, if you only had 90 days to complete your annual goals, you know, how would you change your work schedule or how would you better prioritize? And you could have like a 10 minute conversation about that. Or, you know, if you were CEO of the company, what would you be doing differently? And you could have a conversation about that. So that's uh, one of many examples of different icebreaker exercises you could do, but it's, it's one of my favorites. Absolutely. Do you recommend that teams kind of do uh, like, you know, experiences that are, you know, outside of the venue um, as well as in terms of like team building, team building and team bonding, or do you kind of recommend everything should be kind of stay in one central venue? I, I recommend changing it up, you know, if if your budget allows for it. Um, and I think that's one of the misconceptions about an amazing offsite is that you, know, you, you don't need to spend multi thousands of dollars per person to have an incredible experience. At the end of the day, it's really about having unique shared experiences. And so you can strategically choose a venue that has everything all in one place. And uh, we have sent clients to resorts. Uh, if they're smaller teams, like maybe 30 or less, uh, we have some partners that have just incredible 
like mansions and, and sort of really cool properties that we can send people to. And maybe there'll be activities on premises, or we can partner to bring in chefs or bring in, you know, all different like entertainers. Uh, even one of the executive team retreats we did recently, we had someone come in and do like ice plunges uh, and do like, you know, sort of Wim Hof breathing with a bunch of executives at a tech startup. So there, there are multiple ways to do it. At the end of the day, you're, you should be optimizing for unique shared experiences with the team. So if you can do that on property uh, or bring people in, then that definitely makes it uh, a little easier logistically. Uh, if you need to go off property, uh, that's certainly possible. And you may want to do that as well. If you're going to somewhere like Miami, a lot of people on your team may, may not have experienced Miami before and you want to give them uh, maybe a taste of what Miami's like, you know, or especially if you're uh, traveling internationally, people are going to want to explore while they're there. Uh, so you have to factor that in as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and kind of shifting gears a little bit. Obviously, like we both know that and because we've both been on retreats in the past um, with companies like we know how how useful they are and how beneficial they can be for company culture on remote teams, but there are also a ton of work to organize. And I'm venturing to say that most companies that are doing their first or second or third retreats, there's not one person on the team solely devoted to company event organization. Are there tools or resources or ways that, you know, someone who maybe is planning the retreat, but also has, you know, five or six other responsibilities within the company um, to be able to make that workload a little bit more bearable uh they should they should hire offsite <laughs> um yeah that's that's kind of why we we exist but you know otherwise it, it's uh it may be inviting uh team members to help in planning the experience uh it could be you know finding hotels that specialize in this or, or you know venues that specialize in this that could take off some of the burden yeah Sometimes you know, you'll find a, a speaker or, or facilitator who can take uh, some of the agenda planning off your plate. But yeah, at the end of the day, there's just so much going on that uh, typically it this is given to a chief of staff or an executive assistant uh, or a team leader to do. And then there's competing priorities and you want to make sure it goes really well, especially if you don't have an office anymore. This is the only time people are seeing each other. So that's... Uh, that's why we exist and why, uh, I guess, why we're earning clients. Obviously, you know, planning as more companies are starting to think about offsites and are more comfortable doing them now than they would have been a year ago for obvious reasons. Um, however, not every, not every single person is able to or even comfortable traveling to an offsite. What are some strategies to make a hybrid retreat actually feel inclusive? For the people who maybe can't be in person at the outside, it is really tough to do that. To be frank, uh, I would optimize for you know, making sure people are included in any strategic decisions or decision making that happens at the offsite. And so, one strategy would be to make sure you choose a venue and, and a meeting space within the venue that is uh, hybrid enabled, you know, it has, you know, amazing Wi-Fi uh, that has the proper 
sort of video setup or call-in setup. Uh, above and beyond that, though, uh, I would consider having someone on the team who can sort of be a scribe for the meeting. And as important decisions are being made, you know, let, let's use like OKR planning as an example. You know, as there's conversation happening about OKRs for the coming quarter uh, or for the coming year, there can be someone on the team who's the designated scribe uh, and make sure that you know all the notes are being taken on uh, what OKRs are decided. Before the offsite takes place, uh, perhaps the people that are not attending in person could submit their uh, viewpoints on that uh, and give their perspectives on it. Uh, you could certainly send out a Google form or something in advance of the offsite uh, and then have that be consumed by the people who are in attendance so that they know what their colleagues uh, think about the issue before they start having the conversation. Uh, and then before decisions are you know, finalized uh, after the offsite, the scribe and whoever's planning uh, the offsite could get those uh, potential decisions back to the rest of the team for maybe one final round of feedback before uh, a specific uh, issue is decided on or direction is set. Uh, so yeah, just be mindful of how you're including people before and after the offsite is probably equally, if not more important than you know, trying to optimize a hybrid setting. Uh, and then just being aware that you know, you're likely not going to have the same team building impacts uh, for people you know, zooming in versus being in attendance. And so then you have to start thinking about, you know, uh, articulating the expectations of attending offsites to new employees when you're hiring, um, and you know, making sure there is buy-in that you know you can be remote 355 days a year, but we may ask you to travel for 10 of those days every year, and we'll pay pay your way. We'll pay for you to stay, obviously, um, but this is part of working at our company. If you have a regular cadence of offsites, and if that's the direction you want to go, um, I would argue that that's more than fair for employees, um, and that a lot of employees would really love that because uh, millennials are now a majority of the workforce, and like stereotypically, we love travel. Uh, and so, if we're getting to travel all over the country or around the world on the company dollar, like hell yeah, sign me up. Um, you know, especially if we then get to make friends at work and deepen our relationships. I just think that's the way companies are going to operate in the future. Uh, and in, it allows you to then get your work done on a day-to-day -day basis at home, be with your family more, do what you want to do and, and do your best work when, when you can. And then just have these really meaningful moments where you get back together uh, in person very intentionally and use that as the basis for building your company culture. You touched on something really um insightful there, which is, you know, a lot of employees are probably going to be excited by the fact that, you know, you can, you know, the company is paying essentially for you to go travel um, to meet up with the team and potentially be in like a pretty cool setting. What's your take around whether to do a retreat like domestically versus international? Uh, I, if you, it depends on, uh, whether again, you're doing like one offset a year, or if you're building a cadence of them, you know, so for, for our own team, we're doing an all hands meeting once a quarter 
up until maybe 25 people. Uh, once we hit 25 people, then we'll start doing, you know, two to four all hands meetings per year uh, until we hit maybe a hundred. And then once we hit a hundred, it'll be like probably one all hands meeting per year with everyone. Uh, but then they'll start being executive team meetings on a quarterly basis. There'll be department specific offsites uh, anywhere from twice a year to three or four times a year. Uh, and so as an employee, depending on where you're at in the company, you might be invited to, you know, two, three, four um, offsites per year. As an executive, it might be, you know, six uh, offsites a year. And if you have a cadence like that, then you can, can and probably should switch it up a little bit, not only with your location, um, but you may also want to consider, you know, when do you want to invite family to join for offsites? Uh, because some companies may want a more familial vibe, uh, you know, just from a covering the basic standpoint, like childcare has to be considered. And so for us, I, I think there'll probably be one offsite a year where we do invite family and significant others uh, to come. And then, you know, as far as international versus domestic travel, uh, the reality is that more teams are decentralizing and becoming more and more international. Like we just made our first international hire and, and hired someone in Toronto, Canada. Um, everyone else in the team is U.S., but it's uh, Atlanta, New York, Miami, L.A., Chattanooga, Tennessee. So we're kind of spread out. I would say three out of the four meetings a year will probably be domestic for us in the U.S. And then maybe one time a year we will travel internationally. Uh, and we could tie that to hitting certain company milestones. Uh, so it becomes somewhat of an incentive trip as well. And that's a whole other type of offsite. You know, we can do there's just like president's club meetings uh, for sales teams. Maybe if you hit certain goals, then we'll send you to a super fancy place, um, all expenses paid. And so, you know, it's, uh, I would try and figure out the best logistical options for your team, but then you may want to switch it up uh, just to have something new or to celebrate or because that's just how you you need to, like every office, it's going to be international because you have an international team. Absolutely. I feel like we probably don't have enough time to get into the logistics around how to handle visas and when you do have a really large international team as well. Um, but kind of before we wrap up, I always like to ask a few lightning round questions. Sure. If you could have coffee with any historical figure, who would you choose and why? Wow, that's a great question. And don't know if I have a great answer. Um, <laughs> I mean, I guess I'm not too political, but I, I think it'd be curious. Uh, I'd be curious to meet with like a founding father and get their take on where we're at as a society right now <laughs> see if you know they think they did a good job a bad job if they think we've all gone mad i think that'd be an interesting perspective if you're if i just had to think about it off the top of my head yeah that's a really interesting perspective and what's one book that you'd recommend that any founder or you know leader within an organization that's looking to plan like any sort of retreat within their company should read uh, quite a few people on the team have read a book called The Art of Gathering, 
Uh, so that's a pretty good book to start getting into the level of intention we want to have around team retreat and offsite planning. Yeah. Um, and what would you say is like the biggest takeaway from the book, The Art of Gathering? Yeah, again, it's really thinking about all elements of uh, just planning and, and a, a gathering and experience. And that goes to the physical environment. It goes to how you're facilitating the experience. It goes to who you're inviting to the experience in the first place and how you invite them. Uh, and, you know, just, just being aware of your goals for the gathering. Uh, so it's, it's thinking holistically about what you're doing instead of, oh, you know, I, I guess we're obligated to have retreats because we don't have an office anymore. And I, I guess we have to do it, you know, in the summer. Uh, there's a difference between companies that invest in offsites and leverage them to grow their company culture versus like checking the box because your employees are demanding they see each other and like have fun or they're going to leave and go to another employer. Uh, and so, uh, which I think we're going to get there sooner than later. Uh, this will be the new, the new ping pong table. <laughs> it will be, do you plan offsites or not? And so, yeah, you, you want to be as intentional as possible about this is, is kind of the takeaway. Yeah, absolutely. And where can listeners find you online? So you can learn more about Offsite at joinoffsite.com. You can email me anytime, Jared, like the gallery of jewelry and not like the subway guy because he's a jerk, but uh, Jared at joinoffsite.com. And uh, you can follow me on LinkedIn as well. I I try and post uh, a fair amount of value add content there. So just look me up, Jared Kleinert, uh, K-L-E-I-N-E-R-T. and yeah, I'm pretty accessible. So reach out anytime. And uh, if you let me know that you found us uh, through this podcast, happy to give you 20% off your first offsite with us. Um, yeah, just reach out, say hi. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Jared. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Remote Work Drive podcast. Please visit our site, theremoteworkdrive.com, to learn more about remote work trends and insights.